listening to Valid Points Radio, brought to you by Validation Institute, a go-to, trusted, independent resource for healthcare purchasers, vendors, and benefits advisors. Validation Institute is a networked membership organization focused on delivering better health value and stronger outcomes than conventional health care. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media and the show's producer. Hosting today is Fred Goldstein, President of Accountable Health, LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm. Our guest is Karen Van Call, Ph.D., President and Chief Executive Officer of the Florida Alliance for Healthcare Value. Thank you very much, Greg. And Karen, welcome to Valid Points. Thank you so much for having me with you today, Fred. Yeah, it's really a pleasure. Uh, Great opportunity to talk with you, uh, particularly all the work you're doing. So tell us a little bit first about your background, a little bit about the Florida Alliance for Healthcare Value. Sure. Let me start with the organization. I really appreciate the timing of the opportunity today because we recently changed the organization's name from the Florida Healthcare Coalition to the Florida Alliance for Healthcare Value. And not everybody is aware of the change yet. We are Florida's Employer Coalition on Health and been around for a long time. It started in 1984 by uh, some Central Florida leading employers. So the organization's been fighting the good fight to drive value in healthcare for 35 years. So I've been the president and CEO since late 2011, and we have had a lot of challenges in that time period from 2011 uh, to now to really get that value proposition moving forward. When I came into the position, all of the employers were scurrying to be able to comply with the Affordable Care Act and waiting for a lot of regulations to come out. So the focus wasn't quite what we wanted it to be, so we had to assist them in that manner when I came on in the early days. And and now we're really hitting our stride with the different activities that we have underway. So my background, I didn't work in benefits or with employer coalitions. I led the regional health planning local health council in the Orlando area for many years. And in Florida, there are 11 of those health councils, and you are in mandated in statute to work with providers, purchasers, and consumers. So I had that crossover with the Florida Healthcare Coalition and worked with my predecessor and her team and members on several initiatives over the years. So give us a sense of some of the members in the the uh, healthcare value for the Florida Alliance? So we are led by large uh, public and private sector employers, but we are a multi-stakeholder coalition, so we do have membership providers and health plans and universities. Um, We have a a lot of the very large school districts in the state. We've got Miami-Dade schools, which I think is the third or fourth largest in the country, Orange County schools, Palm Beach schools. We have county governments like Brevard County government out on the Space Coast and Orange County government. Uh, Some of the big companies who are members are um, the Walt Disney Company, Universal Studios Orlando, Lockheed Martin, 
We've got the two multiple employer welfare arrangements in the state. MIWA is the acronym for that, um, Independent Colleges and Universities Benefits Association. And that's about 25 to 30 private educational institutions in the state. And then the other MIWA is the Florida Bankers Health Consortium. And they have 65 or so independent um, banks that are headquartered in Florida, and they've all come together uh, to do their benefits under the umbrella of the consortium. Another big member is the Florida Retail Federation. They are about 7,000 different companies that have membership in their retail federation, about a million lives. You know, we don't work with all of their employers, but they've been a great partner for us, especially up in Tallahassee around advocacy. So you really work with a lot of very broad different groups and benefits for those em- employees. Florida is a unique state, as as are all, but we've got some really interesting issues here around utilization, cost, approach to medicine, et cetera. What are some of the things your organization is working on? Well, we certainly have a lot going on. Um, last year, we had a retreat with our employer members, and out of that came the decision to focus in two big areas, uh, transforming care delivery and the associated payment for value, and also stay with uh, the quality improvement mission that we've had all these years. So following that decision, we've been working with the employer members, providers, and health plans to make bundled payments a reality in Florida. It's It's been a heavy lift. We are launching a public-private sector initiative with the state of Florida that I hope will give some additional energy to the effort. The intent of the partnership would be to push for cost and quality transparency in Florida, but also to use the combined leverage of the self-funded employers we work with, Medicaid, and also the state um, employees insurance plan to be able to drive quality improvement. Um, We're going to focus out of the gate on maternity and also substance abuse treatment because those are big areas obviously for Medicaid, but they're also big areas for us. As far as you know, pregnancy and delivery, Florida continues to have extremely high C-section rates in certain markets. We also have noticed of late that Florida has really poor outcomes in maternal morbidity and maternal mortality and have learned that if you have a C-section, you have a higher rate of complications that could lead to hemorrhaging, could lead to death. And so that really has uh, underscored the importance of making sure that a normal vaginal delivery can happen rather than a rush to C-section. And we've partnered with the University of South Florida. They have uh, the Florida Perinatal Quality Collaborative, and they provide education to the hospitals, to the nursing staff, on techniques and processes for reducing C-sections. They've had really impressive results. ACA is also very interested in what the collaborative is doing at USF. What we're doing is using the leverage of the employers to encourage the hospitals in their markets to work with the university's program. So that's one of the activities under maternity. We're also 
really looking at the bundled payments that have been put into place for maternity. We don't feel that they quite have all of the components that we would define as being really comprehensive prenatal care, but also to extend the length of the the bundle to really make sure that issues that happen post-delivery are addressed uh, with the mother and with the baby. So we're going to hope that we can standardize what's going on in the state of Florida, be that Medicaid or the commercial market around these bundles, but also the quality outcomes and expectations. So that's that's one of the areas. You know, it's, it's fascinating because the whole issue of maternity, obviously big in Medicaid, but also a, a major issue for employers um, and one of the tend to be the higher cost issues. And you talk about you're dealing with a state in which the outcomes aren't quite as good as other states. So you're taking the USF work and then through your group, you take that out to providers and compare them and show what's going on. Are those the kinds of things you're doing as well as the education? So yes and no. So the relationship that the Florida Perinatal Quality Collaborative has with the hospitals is very confidential. In order for them to be able to really get the hospitals to participate with them, they keep that data between themselves. But then they report out to us sort of their overall in a region, the uh, outcomes that they're seeing, the change or the improvement. So what we're doing, though, Fred, is we have meetings with the hospitals, with our employers. We're the regional leader for LeapFrog. It does a hospital safety grade and the hospital safety survey. So we're really pushing for that participation by the hospitals and the employers are putting into their contracting and telling health plans, we want the hospitals in in our network to fully participate in LeapFrog. And so as part of that, we're adding on and saying we really do expect the hospitals that are delivering babies to participate in the Florida Perinatal Quality Collaborative and take advantage of all of the offerings, including this program I was talking about, and the acronym is PROVIDE. I'm sorry, I don't have all of the words that that spell spell it out, but it is to promote vaginal delivery. So we can see data and improvement through LeapFrog over time, and also obviously if we get claims data to look at, and, and we're having the employers you know, go back and look and track. But this is a pretty new program. It's only about a year in. And obviously with pregnancy being nine months, uh, it's going to take a a bit of time for it uh, to to really bear out, certainly in the claims data with that lag. But we're excited Uh about the early findings. That's that's great. And obviously you talked a bit about bundles, and and bundles are an interesting approach to try to create this move to value-based care. But without that quality component, which you've definitely built into it with LeapFrog, you know, bundles potentially could be good or bad. But combining the two, what's been the response from the providers in terms of saying, hey, we want to do bundles, we want to broaden those bundles? So I have had a lot of conversations with providers over a number of years about bundle payments or any kind of special programs that the employer's would want to implement. And at the end of the day, the providers do not want every payer, including an employer, to come at them with a different definition of a bundle, a different way to provide the care, a different way to measure quality. And it's very difficult for them to be able to see a patient differently and treat them differently 
if they happen to be covered by X employer or Y health plan. So that's why we really do want to standardize the bundles. We're really looking at episode of care payments. So the terminology of bundle payments we're finding here in Florida from the health plans is really only case rates, which has been going on for a long time. It might just be what's happening in the hospital for the surgery. It's not the pre or the post. So we're really trying to standardize definitions, be able to identify meaningful quality outcomes. The cost may, you know, the charges may differ, obviously, from, from payer to payer, and certainly if you have Medicaid in the mix. But it's really, really important that we take that step back and try to all be consistent in the expectation of what high-value care looks like. I, I have to admit, when I first came to the coalition and was, you know, we're looking at what was going on in CMS with bundle payments, we were like, oh, well, you know, we can do our own thing that, you know, fits better with a working population. But at the end of the day, they have had this learning and action network up at CMS that's done some very good work with bundle payments. Obviously, they don't have a maternity bundle for the Medicare population, so, you know, needed to look elsewhere for that. And it, it's been an interesting process, but uh, key to what you said is that the, the quality piece has got to be in there in the bundle or it's just not going to work systematically. And just for the audience's perspective and, and knowledge, PROVIDE means is uh, the program is Promoting Primary Vaginal Deliveries Initiative. So excellent. Uh, Thank you. Program, it sounds like. Oh, <laughs> my pleasure. Excellent. My pleasure. And okay. let's, let's talk a little about another area you're working on that I find really interesting. It's very timely for employers this whole area of employer rights and healthcare purchasing, and you've actually published some specific rights in this area. Could you introduce those to the audience? Sure. So as part of our new name rollout this spring, we developed employer purchaser rights, and it is getting a lot of traction across the state and attention nationally. Uh, you know, it's time for employers to realize the power that they hold in changing the trajectory of healthcare costs. They've got to push for transparency and cost and quality. They've got to have access to their data, as I mentioned a few minutes ago. And they've really got to demand high-quality, safe care for their plan members. So we have stated six rights. One of the first is employers have the right to advocate for better value from the health care they purchase for their employees and their families. And that came about because sometimes the health plans will say, we're not going to do a one-off in Orlando, for example, for X employer. And we've talked extensively about opportunities to do pilot studies and demonstration projects using us as the laboratory to be able to you know, have better value being provided. So we felt like we needed to state that right for that reason. The second right is employers have the right to transparency of the costs and quality of the care they purchase. And that has been a challenge not only in Florida, but across the country. Obviously, there's a lot of activity even up in Washington, D.C. Around true transparency, we find that there are some uh, healthcare stakeholders who don't provide total cost of care, what they'll do is hold back on the plan member cost share, the argument being that they're unable to provide the full total cost of care because then somebody might be able to back into determining the discounts they have with 
providers. So we've been working hard to eliminate that barrier because we wouldn't be using the data for that purpose, but that's the holdup there. The next right is employers have the right to be proactive and empowered purchasers of healthcare, seeking out innovative ways to generate value for their employees and their families. So that's very similar to that first right when I I talked about being able to really step out and uh, develop a a new approach, whether that is direct contracting or using bundles or centers of excellence. Employers have the right to use their healthcare data to support new partnerships made in an effort to accelerate value. It's been a challenge, especially lately. Um, There's a a hospital cost transparency study that RAND is doing. They've done two iterations of it. They're right now trying to do their 3.0 version, and it's been uh, covered pretty well in the media, so maybe some of our listeners um, are aware of it. And the buzz is what a high, high percentage of Medicare that the employers are paying. Indiana was the first state to do this study, and they were really shocked at the different hospitals coming out at, you know, 275% Medicare, 300%, 400%. Other states and their coalitions participated in the 2.0, and we're trying to get our employers to participate in 3.0. And we had a board meeting a couple of weeks ago, and there was a board resolution that we supported the study, that the employers would make every effort to participate, and that we would ask the health plans and the providers who are part of our Florida Alliance to fully cooperate so that they could participate in that. But there have been a lot of delays and barriers to be able to get that moving forward. And then employers have the right to expect that quality is measured in a meaningful way. In some instances, we don't have good quality measures at all. We've been really trying to work on substance abuse uh, treatment uh, to be able to come up with something meaningful there. We have the last right is employers have the right to ensure that their employees and their family members receive the highest quality patient care free from harm. And that comes from our LeapFrog patient safety activity that we've been doing for for so many years. We're really uh, excited that we're up to, I think, 76% plus of the hospitals in the state participating fully in LeapFrog. The the U.S. average is 53%. So we've worked really hard. The employers have worked hard to, to make sure that that information is out there for them, for contracting, but also for their employees and their family members so that they can in the instances where they can select which hospital to go for for care, that they're going to the hospitals that have the highest grade. Mm -hmm. As you've launched out this uh, new employer rights in healthcare purchasing, what's been the response from the health plans or the third-party administrators, administrative service organizations? I haven't heard much, Fred. Um, (laughs) um, What I have heard has been from employers and coalitions and the National Alliance of Healthcare Purchaser Coalitions, um, a lot of the companies that are really trying to be innovative in this space. So I haven't overtly asked any of the, the health plans to, to comment on it or any of the hospital systems, but 
uh, all of them were in the room when it was announced, and I didn't uh, see any uh, brave heart rushing up the beach <laughs> at me. So I, I think that um, you know they understand that our coalition has been very passionate, uh, you know, for the whole time that we've been in existence about uh, you know focusing on improving the value of every dollar our public and private employer members spend on health care. And in order to make that happen, we need data, we need transparency, we need standardization, we need you know, safety. Uh, so I, I don't think they were surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they weren't surprised. I'm glad to see you driving this bus. It'll be interesting, perhaps, if we get you back in a year once this is out there for a while and see if it's actually freed up some of this data and uh, some of the employers are now beginning to see some results from this because I think it's a it's a great concept. Obviously, it's being asked about a lot around the country, and it really does get to the point that the ultimate payer, particularly with those that are self-insured, are the uh, employers themselves, and they really need to have access to this data and understand what's going on with those programs. So I applaud you for the effort. Yeah, you we'll will- definitely be tracking it. Um, obviously, you know, any organization you have, performance objectives and, you know, especially when you, you know, step back and say, look, we're going to focus on quality improvement, we're going to focus on transformation, here are the levers that will make that happen. So we'd be happy to share that with you uh, as time goes Mm -hmm. on. Great. You also mentioned this whole issue, which has really come to the fore now about the amount employers are paying relative to Medicare reimbursement. And we know, you know, Montana's gone now and done reference-based pricing in, in that state. And there are others looking at it in, in North Carolina, et cetera. Is there any talk here in this state or amongst any of your members of trying to move to reference-based pricing? Well, there isn't a lot of uh, conversation happening with reference-based pricing with our members because we've been so focused on the episode of care bundle payments, I would imagine. But we've had a lot of conversation about it, and there is concern by a number of employers that reference-based pricing might do the opposite of what you'd like to see happen, and it might be a race to the top. You might have a provider say, what the heck, you know, that provider is getting paid that much more than I am, so let me go there. And the reason that we had that concern is in one of the markets here in Florida a couple years ago, we did have one of the healthcare systems say, we know other healthcare system down the road is probably about 30% higher than we are, and our quality is better than theirs, so we need to increase our contract rates. And so, you know, it, it, as I said, it's a concern, so it hasn't um, ended up being the, the primary strategy that our folks have been focused on. You know, kind of going back to that situation I mentioned from a couple years ago, we really were able to rally the employers who would be affected, adversely affected by huge change like that and be able to put data in front of the hospital system, quality data, cost data, to dispute what they had stated was their rationale for you know, such a big increase. And uh, the good news is that uh, that significant rate increase did not happen, and we have had excellent dialogue with that healthcare system uh, over the last couple of years as being very proactive in working with us and our members around alternative payment models and bundle payments. So what started out as sort of a shocking 
oh my gosh, this is this is terrible, has turned out to be a really productive relationship. So you never know, you know, what will cause that to happen. There's been a, a, a lot of efforts around the country over the last couple of years of mergers, acquisitions, these healthcare systems getting larger. Have you seen any impact from that? Yes, and it's not just the healthcare systems. It's obviously the consolidation of the health plans, the um, pharmacy benefit managers, and what we're seeing from that is that they're getting so big and the competition is getting so limited that there are fewer choices uh, for the employers in terms of who they can work with to execute uh, their benefits for their employees and for the for their family members when um, some of the healthcare systems though when the hospitals add additional hospitals maybe in rural areas for example or hospitals that just haven't been high performing but they go ahead and purchase them and bring them under um, their umbrella we have seen some really positive results from that and they have been able to change the culture and the performance of these hospitals, uh, they benefit from uh, you know everything that the larger hospital system has to offer, and that's really been a good thing for the rural areas in in the state of Florida or underserved areas throughout the state. So it is a it is a mixed bag, I will say, in terms of uh, what impact it has had on the employers throughout the state, but. You know, there, there's very limited competition when everything gets bought up. And one final question here. Are you seeing any movement or use of ACOs or integrated delivery networks by any of the employer groups? Yeah, they have um, been working with uh, the hospital systems in their markets. Um, what we find in Florida, and maybe Fred, since you're here in Florida too, have seen this as well, that the hospital systems will develop you know, their own sort of clinically integrated network for their own employees and the dependents and test drive it on their own population. And then they'll roll it out to a big employer and test it out and work out, out the kinks in in the delivery system. And then when they're ready for prime time, make it an offering. It's been a very slow process. Um, a lot of the hospitals did quite well in the Medicare ACO demonstration projects and we thought that you know that would be able to move them faster in the commercial market but we haven't seen as much of an uptake as we thought we would but yes there is definitely activity and it has been it has been a good relationship um, so far that I'm aware of with all of the different employers who work with the hospital systems on ACS. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for coming on Valid Points. It's really been a pleasure to have you. Your insights are fantastic. Well, thanks very much for having me today, and it was great talking to you, too. Thanks, and back to you, Greg. And that will be the last word for today's broadcast. I want to thank Karen Van Call, Ph.D., President and Chief Executive Officer of the Florida Alliance for Healthcare Value. For more information on the Alliance, go to www flhealthvalue.org and follow the Alliance on Twitter via FL Health Value. Do follow the work of Validation Institute on the web via www.validationinstitute.com and check out prior episodes of Valid Points broadcasts under the Resources tab. While there, consider subscribing 
to the Valid Points newsletter and follow Validation Institute on Twitter via at Valid underscore Institute. For Fred Goldstein, Karen Van Collel, and the Valid Points broadcast, this is Greg Masters saying bye now. Mm-hmm.